0: Go Solar with Central Spark. We design, install and maintain all of our solar power systems. Our local installers service Central Victoria. We'll travel to Bendigo, Dalesford, Kyneton and areas in between. We offer a full range of services, grid connect, off grid and hybrid battery solutions, as well as maintenance and repairs. Contact your local solar specialist today for a free quote for your home or business. Find us at central-spark.com or on Facebook at Central Spark Victoria. Proud supporter of Main FM.
1: The Quiet Carriage, 94.9 main FM show all about books and authors, with your host, Paul J. Laverty, and proudly sponsored by Stoneman's Book Room. All aboard. Hello there, listeners, and welcome to The Quiet Carriage. It's almost Christmas, and what better time to have John Walter of Stowman's Book Room, come into the studio and he's going to fill us in what's happening in his store and in the book world over Christmas. So stay tuned for that one a little bit later on. First up, I was pretty excited when Penguin asked me if I'd like to interview Monica McEnany about her new book, and my answer was a resounding yes. Here's a little bit about Monica and her latest novel, The Godmothers. Monica McInerney is one of the most successful Australian authors of all time. In fact, the sixth best-selling Australian adult fiction author since BookScan began. BookScan, obviously, measuring book sales. She has published 12 books, sold over a million copies in Australia and New Zealand, and in 2020 celebrates 20 years as a published author her platinum year. Her new book, The Godmothers, out now, Follows a young woman, Eliza, as she makes a pilgrimage across the world to find the truth of her making, who her mother really was behind the secrets and lies and the mysterious identity of her father, who she's never met. Monica herself grew up in South Australia with six siblings, and her father was the railway station master, her mother a librarian. Most of her fiction has been emotionally autobiographical, and she's lived a life most of her heroines would dream of, falling in love with an Irishman and moving to Dublin and I was very happy to interview Monica McEnany during lockdown. Thank you for joining me today on The Quiet Carriage all the way from I believe it's Adelaide you are at the moment is that that correct?
2: It is Adelaide. Um, if, it, if the world was normal, we'd probably be talking, and I'd be in Dublin. But I'm one of the COVID-stranded, so I've actually been in um, in South Australia unexpectedly for seven months now. Oh. After all, my my flights got cancelled and the borders closed um, back in March.
1: Wow, because you, I have I got this right that you live between the two? You live between Australia and Ireland.
2: I'm pretty much based in Dublin. My husband's Irish and, and we live there, but I, I come back to Australia for a month every year. Um, and that's what I, I was back, sort of seeing my mum and my family and, and some research and a work trip and um, when everything happened. So, yeah, I've had a very, like everybody in the world, I've had a very unexpected 2020.
1: And your husband's here or is he in Ireland?
2: No my husband's home in dublin um and certainly if i'd known it was going to be nine months till we see each other i would have given him a much bigger hug at the airport in february (laughs) but um uh no so he he yeah he's back there and and dublin's back in lockdown now and um so yeah the whole world's upside down
1: Uh, so have you managed to make the most of it in a in a creative sense
2: I think I have in lots of ways. Um, I finished editing my new novel, The Godmothers, while I was here. Um, Luckily, my mum. Took, um, was very, very welcoming and, and um, had a very small spare room uh, in her house. So I've been living and working and, uh, in that room. And so I have, yeah, I finished um, my new novel, The Godmothers Did All the Editing and the final draft right. of that here. And I've been I've written two drafts of my first children's book, which is coming out in April next year. And I've had the idea for two new novels actually, since I've been here. Um, so I think um it, I found kind of a lot of respite and solace in creativity in a time when everything was kind of so jaggedy outside. Um, it was being in my imagination was quite a peaceful yeah. place to be, I think.
1: That's great to hear. We're here to talk about your new book today, the, the Godmothers, out now via Penguin. I love this story. Such a great, great story. A lot of people will interpret it differently, I imagine. But for me, it was a story about truth. And how important is truth really i mean does it does it really matter in the grand scheme of our lives where did Where did the spark from this story come from for you was it was it something that you'd heard before?
2: Well, firstly, thank you so much for for reading it and enjoying it, and you're absolutely right. I think that's what it's about too. Good. I mean it's only just published, and so it's only just being read by people outside of you know my circle and my publishers mm. and it's often only at that stage that you, once people kind of are reflecting it back at you, you, go, yeah, that's right, that is what the the things are. I think it's a book of moral dilemmas, actually, um, and which is also about the truth, about it's about secret keeping and when the right time or the wrong time um, to to share the truth with other people. And um, I'm I've long been fascinated with um, family secrets in particular. I write. Uh, what I describe as family comedy dramas, usually, um, uh, but um, this is my 13th book. And I think this is actually more of a family mystery than a comedy drama, though there is lots of comedy in it. Mm. And I'm particularly really interested in the secrets kept between generations and why that might be the case. And it was sparked really by, um, in the way that a lot of my novels are, um, that I, I it was. It's, I write kind of emotionally autobiographical books, not factually autobiographical, but often there's a seed from my real life that, that triggers an idea. Mm-hmm. And there was two family stories with this one that reminded me, that got me started, I think. And uh, when I was a kid, I grew up hearing about – I had a missing aunt, if you like. There's, right. they were, my father had a half-sister. And she drowned in an underground water tank on the family farm in 1957. And um, I was born in 1965. Mm-hmm. But I grew up sort of wondering, you know, what, what happened to that aunt? And they, uh, her death was always spoken about in a really kind of unusual way for a kid. You know, you knew that they'd stop talking when you come into the room if they were talking about it, or it'd be in hushed tones. Right. And I always suspected there was more to it than a drowning. Um, you know, had it had it been suicide, had it been something even more sinister than that? And I asked as a child. I was a very curious child, and um, I never got a straight answer. And I thought, actually, that my godmother, who was my aunt, another sister of my dad's, knew, but she particularly was very, very evasive uh, and would never give me a straight answer, which, of course, as a child, if you're not given a straight answer, you (laughs) think that there is more to it. Mm -hmm. Possibly there wasn't, Paul. Possibly it was simply, um, and sadly, uh, you know, a a drowning accident. But all my life, I kind of had that idea that as a kid, I wasn't quite told the whole truth. So I think that filtered into this novel, in a way, Mm. and the more the other more recent family story was um, one of my other sisters, uh, one of my, my sisters, for her 50th birthday, her best friend gave her a bound hardback collection of emails and letters, really long emails and letters that would written to each other um, over five years while they were in their 30s, forensically just dissecting their husbands or boyfriends at the time, their families, their friends, everything. And my sister has made her husband swear that if anything ever happens to her, the first thing he has to do is destroy that book, right. because she doesn't want her kids to ever read it. Mm. And I think this book grew out of those two family stories because *The Godmothers* is all about um, two levels of, of secret keeping, really. One, you know, the family secrets, and and what is the best truth to tell a child yeah. about the you know the background of their their birth their life if you like but also it's about secrets between friends in many ways too and and what you as a child know about what your parents got up to before you came along um and I'm I just, I'm really interested in that, in, in, in what you show of each other within a family. And so, um, sorry, a long answer to your short <laughs> question about what, what inspired it. But it, it was those two. And none of the, neither of those two stories are in this book. But yes. I do know that that's where the book grew from.
1: Yes. And the idea with godmothers, did you have a particularly close relationship with your godmothers? Or had you heard this story before?
2: Um, No, I'd I'd like to have had Mm, my my godmother, who was the secret keeper in in our family. Um, I would like to have very much had, you know, a fairy godmother kind of relationship. Mm. And I only had a godmother. I didn't have a godfather, which is also why I think um, the idea of godmothers is strong. Like my six brothers and sisters all had the full set. They had godmother and a godfather. So I was always quite... um, I suppose the word "godmother," you know, I talked about that rather than "godparents," mm. so that's probably resonated, you know, all these years later and um, into this novel too. And you no, know, she was she was extraordinarily skilled at evasive answers, my godmother, um, to the point that that she you could I could ask her, you know, a very direct question, which I often did and tried. And um, and for example, you know, I could ask her, so you know, what was it what what was it like to grow up during the Depression, as she did, and she would there'd be a pause, and she'd say, "We had a nice." Couple of tea at mass last Sunday. Like she would <laughs> literally answer a question that you hadn't asked. Um, right. So again, as a child, that you know that was quite a puzzle. I'd never met somebody who just didn't answer the question that you'd asked. So I, I think I've also had this kind of intrigue about godmothers um, since then too. And my, my godmother and my aunt died in two thousand and eight, and took all her secrets with her. I never felt like I got to know her, even though I spent many many hours with her um, during my life.
1: Yes, yes. I was really impressed by the attention to detail that you give to minor characters. In the book, we have Celine, who's probably the worst hotel guest in the world. And then there's a little boy, Sullivan, who I think is 11. 11 going on about 111. And I just thought this is something that that not all writers do. Give that sort of attention to, to backstory and to these back characters. How important is that to your work? Is this, is this something you're aware of?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely aware of it, and and. Uh, the supporting characters matter to me as much as the um as the lead characters mm. and the two characters that you've highlighted Celine and Sullivan um they were great uh, um, <laughs> kind of appeared out of nowhere um like i always knew there was going to be a difficult guest because the, the the theme of the book or the, the plot of the book is that Eliza um the lead character is goes on a, a search in a, in search of her the father she's never met and the the, the the truth of her mother's in you know, troubled life and she goes to stay with one of her godmothers who runs this boutique hotel in Edinburgh and this Celine that you mentioned absolutely the worst hotel guest yes. ever um, but and uh, who is Olivia's um not even mother-in-law it's like the word like she's her, her husband's first wife's mother so like a mother-in-law outlaw <laughs> and um and and she was one of the most fun characters I've ever written. I have to say I probably cut about, this is true, 50,000 words of scenes with her because once she appeared, I was having so much fun with her. (laughs) And um, and the same thing happened with Sullivan, the eleven-year-old boy, as you mm. say, growing on 111. And um, and Eliza meets him on the plane when she's coming from Melbourne to Edinburgh. And I originally thought no, I should just have this conversation with this little you know this little fellow unaccompanied <laughs> minor on the plane. And then he kind of leapt at me, and I couldn't get let go of him. So there's another fifty thousand words of him that I didn't use the book as well. Wow. Um, so I had a lot of material to to draw on for both of those. And so that's I'm thrilled to hear that they come across you know. The that they bounce off the page um, because I knew them both so well and they were just enormous fun to yeah. write. And um, and uh, Celine particularly because she's so foul-mouthed, she's um, – Really selfish. She there's no comeuppance for her, so she was just so liberating to write. Somebody that just does not care mm. about anybody else. Mm. Um, and an 11 year old boy, just the earnestness of him, and um, and how important both of them are for Eliza. And and I'm very interested in that in the way that you know it's a, it's a it's a pilgrimage story in a way that Eliza is trying to find so much about her life because she she's locked herself into this safe life and she's breaking free for the first time. And in life, sometimes you brush against people very briefly and find that they have an enormous impact on you in ways that you would never have expected, and maybe you won't see them again. And that's and those supporting characters in this novel, particularly of all my novels, I think, are they're very important characters.
1: we heard the track Rhymes of an Hour by Mazzy Starr. And now we'll return to my interview with The Godmother's author, Monica McInerney. Mm. What comes first for you? Is it, is it characters or story?
2: Characters, 100% characters. Um, before I even start writing, before I sit down at my computer or open a new document, I spend probably three to six months thinking just daydreaming about the characters I start with a person um, like if I was a musician and you and I were talking about a song I'd written you know that I have one note and then a second note and a third note with my novels I start with the one character so it was it was Eliza a young woman um, and I wanted her. I thought, well, who would her mother be? And who are her mother's best friends? And have the best friends been really important to Eliza? Why? What's stronger than a best friend? A godmother. You know, they're not blood relatives, but so it, it goes like that. It's kind of a, a bead being added onto a bead. Um, and so that that does the the starting point, if you like, for each of those for my novels in that regard. Um, so I think about them for a long time, and then I um, then I decide the big thing that's going to happen to them, I describe it as an emotional explosion, if you like. And that's about when I start writing. So I know the characters intimately. Then I set off that emotional explosion. And then um, that's when I start writing to see what happens to them after that.
1: Right. And Castlemaine, where we broadcast from, gets a mention in the book.
2: Yes, it does. Also- Castlemaine pops up quite a lot in my books. I've got a whole whole book set in Castlemaine. Oh, right. Um, and um, – that's been really, it's one of my favourite parts of Victoria. So I really love, um, you know, writing about um, Castlemaine. We had a fantastic family holiday in Castlemaine. I've got great friends there. I go there as often as I can. And uh, so, yeah, I loved, uh, and Castlemaine pops in. And um, it's, yeah, and, the, and my book, At Home with the Templetons, is all set, is set entirely there too.
1: I'll have to look that one up. <laughs> yeah, right, and also Maryborough gets mentioned, Heathcote, yes, um, yeah, Meath, so that, with obviously,
2: run for um, railway station there. So yeah, I look, I, I lived in Melbourne for five years, and I've travelled a lot around Victoria. So I do love using those different parts of um, the the, um, the the country, Victoria, basically, mm. in 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 the novels.
1: Also, Meath in Ireland and Edinburgh, obviously in Scotland, are these places you you know well as well.
2: It is, yeah. I, um, uh, Edinburgh, I, I knew I had been to Edinburgh a, a few times. Like often, the locations in my novels uh, are places that I know very well. But I actually chose Edinburgh because I didn't know it that well. Like I'd, I'd, I'd had some, you know, weekends there, and um, but it was a place that Eliza was going that she'd only been there once herself. That she it was going to be very new to her too. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was quite a deliberate choice. That it was a place that I when I went on the, my first. Research trip to Edinburgh. Um, it made it much easier for me to see it through her eyes. If it um, so, it wasn't as familiar. Like if I had her coming to Dublin, like a lot of my novels have people moving between Australia and Ireland, um, and uh, it was easier for me to to see it with new eyes uh, when I didn't know it that well. If I had brought a character to Dublin and I know Dublin so intimately, um, I wouldn't have noticed. The little things that a stranger would notice. Uh, so that was good for me to to set it there. And in Ireland, um, the, without giving away sort of spoilers and stuff for, for the plot, um, I chose a place that I know very very well. I used to live near this um, this particular town, and um, so right. that was good. In the opposite, that she that I was able to describe it very uh, in great detail because I knew that very well.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've written twelve books, and. You've sold over a million copies in Australia and New Zealand alone, which is an outstanding achievement. What mo- mo- motivates you now? Are you are you still as hungry as you were?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I I don't know if even if it's a hunger. I actually think it's the it's something better than that. I think it's a it's joy. Right. Actually, it's what I find in writing still. I did from the start when I started writing fiction when I was um, living in Tasmania in 1996 up till 1999. This is where I started writing fiction. And I can still remember how it felt when I started writing short stories for the first time. And it was kind of a magical feeling, like this kind of almost a disbelief that I've just created a whole world, a fictional mm. world. And I can do it again. And so I wrote another short story, and then I wrote another short story. Like It was like a dam burst when I started writing fiction. And I still feel the same way about the novels, Um, and that's what spurs me on each time because it's such a quiet – Solitary um, thing to do. Like, I'm not a filmmaker working with a big crew. I'm not a, you know, to talk about musicians again, working with orchestras or a band or something. Um, at the very start, right through to you finish your draft enough to send to a publisher, it's such a quiet, solitary, intimate thing to do. And from my point of view, I need to find joy in it or I wouldn't come back and do it. Like there's absolutely mm. bad, you know, bad days and stories that don't work and dead ends and, and days of despair and bleakness and all of that. But there's always the possibility, because I have experienced it, that, this, the, that joy of creation. And when I've got characters up and running and plots, you know, twisting and turning and I don't know what's going to happen next, so I want to write so quickly to find out what happens next. <laughs> and that always happens with each novel. And that's what I write to. That's what I write for. For that um, that amazing feeling when all the characters that I've daydreamed about for months um, are suddenly up and running, and and as we were talking about earlier, you know, like two characters like Celine and Sullivan in this novel, who seem to just appear from nowhere, and um, and that is the yeah. So it's joy rather than hunger, um, and it's the same thing. Like I'm 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 starting my fourteenth novel now, and and you know working on children's books and things like that. I'm really happy that I've, I've a head full of ideas still.
1: Mm. and what's your process like as a writer i mean do you have a dedicated editor do you write at the same time every day could you could you walk us through that
2: sure i'm very disciplined um i uh i I had to be because that's the way i worked out that that was the best way for me to write i had um a, a very lucky um situation in that for 10 years before I became a writer, I worked in book publishing as a publicist. So I worked and met with authors, including Raoul Dahl, Tim Linton. Um, I met Toni Morrison, Carol Shields, you know, so many amazing um, international authors when I was working in Australia and Ireland. And I got to sit in on all of their interviews and talk to them, you know, over dinner or when we were traveling, things like that. And I've realized since that was almost like doing a writing course by osmosis, because I learned like I learned that they are all everyone's got a really different approach to writing and, and that's fine it's whatever works for you but what always came through with every single one of those authors that were touring that I was helping to promote was absolute dedication and discipline and I think that that, that I learned that from them and that's what's worked for me so um, I'm really strict I make myself write 2000 words every day it's a lot but yes. I find that's a really big word count for me and, and the next day I might cut 1900 of those words but that, that there will be a hundred in there that will take the plot to the next level and that I get into a rhythm with that those 2000 every day. Um, I do write pretty much I probably write six days a week and maybe on the seventh day I'll you know read or do something different so when I this is particularly when I'm creating the very first draft um, that for me it becomes a, a very intense um, because you want to stay within that fictional world you want to, you, you have to make sure that there's not much else going on in your head and all around you, um, and and that that's what works for me. So I you know I work in my attic in Dublin at home. I'm lucky I've got a really supportive husband who you know goes out into the outside world and does the cooking and all of that. <laughs> um, and every writer needs you know needs someone who does that I think, or you live on cans of tuna. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, and so yeah, it's it's it, like you know. Sorry again, if I was a musician, you practice every day. You practice, you practice, you practice, and that's what writing is for me. It's you're slowly building a whole fictional world, and you do it brick by brick, scene by scene. And for me, that's that's a matter of coming back every single day.
1: Yeah, it never fails to fascinate me talking to great authors about their process.
2: What I find extraordinary about uh, the writing process is just how how very different it is for every single writer. Um, that because I've you know got to know a lot of writers um, over the years too. Uh, now that I'm writing as well, and we often meet and talk about our process, and and we're all completely different, and and yet you know that's what works for us. Everyone's got their own different creativity, I suppose, um, and and maybe that's what makes all you know that's what makes all of our books so different, and now the way we see the world so differently too.
1: Exactly. It'd be pretty dull if we, all, if we all lived the same and worked the same and wrote the same books. That is true. Exactly. <laughs> Monica McInerney, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today. Your book is The Godmothers, out now via Penguin. Best of luck with it. It's a wonderful book. Please, everyone, go and grab a copy. Could you leave us with a song request today?
2: Oh, I'd love to. I think I've been talking about music so much during that interview, and thank you for great questions, Paul, and for and for. Um, as I said, if I could one day live in Castlemaine, I would. Um, it's one of my favourite. Be more than welcome in Australia. Oh, well, I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, let me think a song. I think I'll choose an Irish song because I have not been in my home in Ireland for um, seven months, and it will be a couple of months before I can get home. I think. So, I'm going to choose an Irish song that uh, means a lot to me, and it's by Moving Hearts. And it was, uh, I think it came out in 1981 or 82, and it's a beautiful song called Lake of Shadows.
1: Monica McEnany, thank you so much, and I hope you get home soon.
2: Thank you, Paul.
1: What's happening around town? How can I find out? The Castlemaine Mail has all you'll ever need to know and more. Business, sport and all the local costs. Grab your copy from the Castlemaine Newsagent and other selected local outlets every Friday and look out for the Main FM program guide on the last Friday of every month. The Castlemaine Mail, a proud sponsor of Main FM.
0: For the finest local and Victorian regional wine, look no further than Castlemaine Central Wine Store. They've got locally produced ciders, craft beer, plus a great range of everyday drinking wines at affordable prices, and they even sell gift vouchers. Castlemaine Central Wine Store, Littleton
2: Street, Castlemaine. Monday to Saturday from 10.30am, a proud sponsor of 94.9 Main FM.
1: That was Moving Hearts there, live in Dublin, with their track Lake of Shadows, and that was the choice of Monica McInerney, who was my guest today, talking about her latest novel, The Godmothers, out now via Penguin. Next up, I was keen to find out how bookshops have been faring in the year of COVID, and to find out what's hot on the shelves over Christmas. And who better to ask than Mr. John Walter, owner and proprietor of a local castle main bookshop, Stoneman's Bookroom. It's been a little while since I've caught up with him, but I had a chat to him earlier in the week, and here it is for you right now. John Walter, it's so good to have you here in the studio, and finally put... Uh, Face to a name. Because obviously I know you, you know, via phone, but not face to face.
0: Yeah, no, it's pretty good, Paul. I'm glad to be here tonight. That's great.
1: And you're my first guest we've had post-COVID. I can't really say post-COVID yet because we are (laughs) still in the middle of it, but I don't think I've had anyone since I think January, February. So wow, it's great to have you in here.
0: Mm, It does make a difference to be out and about.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's great. And... Are you going to be happy, as a, as the owner of the local bookshop, Stormands, are you going to be happy to see the back of this year?
0: Uh, yes, look, most definitely, but there's been positives to it. Yeah. Um, obviously, people, I think, are reading a lot, but people are a lot calmer. There's not... I um, know a lot of people have really struggled, and I feel for those people, but at the same time... I'm finding there's been a, a calm within the town and the district, yeah. and uh, people seem to be eating well, taking time how they eat, how they exercise. So, yeah, so, but it will be good when it's all gone. My God, I had my brother die earlier in the year. And oh, we right. can only have 10 at the funeral and 10 at the crematorium. You know, it's not, that's hard. You that's know, really
1: hard. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of sad, sad stories to come out of this. There is. Have you, has has the shop been quieter this year
0: because of it? It was (laughs) deadly dead earlier in the year, the early days of COVID, as much as we were encouraged to think people would ring and have home deliveries at... You know, nothing really happened until we opened the doors and people could come in, and we're still we're still strict about numbers and scrubbing up, and we we're going through bottles and bottles of <laughs> liquid, but it's yeah. good yeah and and no business has, has, has been very good, thank you
1: yeah. yeah and you're still here, which is which is the yeah. main thing because you're so vital to the
0: tone. That is, we are an important part. I know that yeah
1: yeah, and we're coming up to the end of the year and Christmas. How big is Christmas season to to a bookshop?
0: Ah, uh, generally. Christmas is 30% of the year's turnover. Um, right. it's monstrous. Yeah. Uh, we find and it's it's tricky. I'm ordering books now that we might be selling three copies a day of. Wow. And I know that in 3 weeks time I'll need 15 or 20 copies of that yeah, particular right. book, you know, like this. Your Alex Miller's local author is always yep. strong at yes. Christmas. Um We've got uh, Chris Canning, the artist from Ballarat, who okay. is featured in the Castlemaine Art Gallery. She's uh, in the State Gallery. She's got a nursery over in uh, the other side of Ballarat, but she's signing this week. She's got a beautiful new book called Pursuit of Happiness, which is an art
1: yes. printed
0: in Australia, yes. and it's only $80. It's fantastic. It's a, It looks like a $150 book. Yeah. Um, we like to push local product where we can um because uh yeah we, we do live in a big community in country victoria and even though yeah. chris isn't a local castle mine she's very much central victorian yeah, yeah um an interesting character we have coming uh on the ninth is max ogden who's um right a well-known australian communist <laughs> labor leader um Bill Shorten launched his book online a couple of weeks ago and Max has got a lot of friends and uh Acquaintances in Castlemaine, so and he's he's been a champion of women's rights and women's la- the women's labour movement yeah. and equality, which which makes him important in light of what's going on in the world at the moment. Because yeah. you know we we really do have to level the scene a bit with uh, how women are paid and how they're treated of in the workforce. So Max will be interesting. He's speaking at six o'clock on the ninth,
1: ninth of, of December. December. Yeah, brilliant. So. And is that a ticket event, or you can just roll well.
0: It up? I'm getting people to ring because because of Corona we are a little bit limited I'll walk around the shop and just see if I can put a few more extra in but Max is uh Max is about 80 now he's a wonderful speaker um he sadly lost his wife I just found out during this Corona time so
3: um
0: but yeah, that'll be an interesting thing because he's got an amazing career. He used to get thrown out of clubs in the 50s and 60s because he refused to sing God Save the Queen. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, which, which is, uh, you know, it was a pretty gutsy move during those times. Yeah. So, yeah, he'll be an interesting person. That's great. No doubt. And he's launching his, what is it? His, his oh, book's bon- called. Or- uh, a, a long view from the left right so it, it'll look at you know the labor movement in australia basically and uh this is what it's he has had a an online book launch where he had i think hundreds of people streaming into what he was doing but the, because he has these Castlemaine acquaintances he wanted to come here and speak to them so great we're quite happy with that
1: and I presume he's going to do signing as well? Yeah, By-book? definitely. Excellent. Yeah, so that's the yeah, 9th, 6 o'clock?
0: Yeah. At the Bookshop. Book yeah. And Brilliant. Give a call if you yeah, would like to come. Brilliant. So,
1: yeah. Okay. No, be great. And what are you selling
0: big on this Christmas? Like fiction? What sort of well, fiction titles are standing out? there's a, you know, the fiction, um, Survivor's a new Jane Harper book selling really yes. well. Yes. Because of the dry. yeah, the yep. dry is being released as a movie. Uh, Setting
1: Castlemaine, Castleman.
0: Am I? Yeah, I, a I little, do little bit um uh, A lot of it is. Yep. And so that's big. There's been a huge interest in Indigenous history. Right. That um, songlines is local. Our uh, author called Lynn Kelly. Who's written a book? Uh, she's written several books to do with uh, Indigenous matters, and they're selling very well. And there's another guy, Ian Clark, uh, who I don't know, but he's written a book called *Clever Man*, mm-hmm. which is based on um, Western Western District Aboriginals, uh, and it's almost um, uh, a shaman. It's almost look at, looking at shamanism of you know. Aboriginal people. So okay. yeah, that's you know that's going to be yeah. Oh, it has been very successful. We're selling yeah, a lot right. of that. And we're also sell, selling a lot of um games. I think right. people have learned mm-hmm. to play things at home um with it's a, a very good Christmas because there's nothing that's standing out, and yeah. pe- people are prepared to find something new, which is great. That's great. And, uh, and what uh, sort of market is your children's books? Isn't yeah, growing and growing. Yeah, because there was a whole generation. I think the people who learnt Mario mm-hmm. didn't learn to read. Yeah. You know, I remember when Space Invaders was first released. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was working for Meyer at the time. Yeah. Um, and they were $395 and I was $120. Wow, My wages yeah, were $120 right. a week. So basically three
1: or four times the... Yeah.
0: The, well, although a junior wage then was weird. perhaps a bit different now because there's been a levelling. Yeah, right, right. But it was probably equivalent to couple of thousand dollars wow you know yeah. today and uh yeah just for a kid's electronic toy which you could get for 29.99 now
1: exactly i think even the new playstation came out and that's like four or five hundred dollars
0: yeah yeah that pretty, was pretty so much compared. more advanced yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so kids books what, what's what been big this year uh, it's really there's just so many i mean yeah. you know ando's books are great yeah. um House books Tree, because there's, yeah, a new one, there's a new isn't, one uh, out. Yeah, there's a new Wolf Girl released today. Yeah, I looked at the figures before because we've actually just done our first stock take in 15 years. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a stock take. You Yeah, know, you can do a, a clerical stock take, but we've uh, done this stock take and it's been uh, really eye opening. And on top of that, we've changed our software so. I can go home now. Punch into the computer, yeah. which i you know, I've got my first laptop at sixty-two. Um, yeah. It's pretty, pretty funny. But I can see exactly what they've sold for the day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the new Wolf Girl's been uh, Who's pretty the hot today. That? I haven't heard of that. That's, uh, um, we'll, we'll find that yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. So.
1: Okay, and uh, the hours of operation are they the same? Yeah, or we're pain? we're up. A,
0: we've started opening again at nine. Till five, But when I say till five, if there's customers around, we yep. stay up until six. Yep. And Sundays we're open from 10 till five. Right. And we open every day other than Christmas Day mm-hmm. and Good Friday. hmm
1: Yeah. Imagine you've been pretty busy over the last week or two with the borders opening up. Yeah, that's
0: been huge, the difference. Yeah. And, and customers who we've never seen before, that's really encouraging. Yeah. People who have never been to Castlemaine. Yeah. You know, so I think that will come out a winner for towns like Castlemaine because yeah. they they say each year um, there's X billions dollars spent overseas, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think a lot of that will come into rural communities.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too.
0: As long as we can provide what people want, you know, that, yep. so, that could be the tricky thing because it, it's it could be a new tourist that yep. might be a little bit harder. <laughs>
1: Well, we're so happy and and lucky to have a a bookshop. Yeah. to be honest, because a lot of times, even the size of Castlemaine don't have them. Mm. But like you said, there's a, there's a huge reading community mm. in Castlemane. Oh, Main. it's great. Yeah. Like, I cannot think of another tone like even just oh. doing this show, the amount of authors that mm. live around here, like someone's yeah. like, oh, do you know such and such? She got published yeah. by Penguin. It's like, no, I don't. You
0: know, it's like every month you find out about someone new, who has got a book coming out. Well, Lorena, the illustrator from Serenity Press, she's got a new film, a new book, French Fairy Tales. Um, there's a chap, um, David, it's terrible. He's written a book on gold. Right. um, And that's selling well. There's, you know, I've got so many people I could give a plug to, but I've just, uh, it's taken me a little bit of time to get back to work and memorise who's who. Yeah. But they've, yeah, it is a very literary town. It is amazing.
1: Yeah. It's great. So, yeah, everyone, please get down and support Stillman's this Christmas. And the ninth, Max Ogden.
0: Max Ogden. And the fifth, Chris Canning.
1: Oh, brilliant. Chris yeah. coming as well. Yeah. There yeah. On she's the pe- on the 5th. What time is that? Book. Same time?
0: She's on 11 in the morning. Wow. It's a, on a go. Saturday. Yeah. And it's the most perfect gift if someone has a relative who loves either art mm-hmm. or their garden. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris really is one of Australia's best still life painters. And, mm-hmm. uh, and she just, uh, yeah, she's really quite famous. So we're thrilled to have her here.
1: Fantastic. So, yeah. Okay, John, thank you so much for popping back in. And uh, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you (laughs) and all your listeners. (laughs) See you at
0: Steinman's. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
4: Theatre Royal Castlemaine's Loyal Royal Membership Drive is on. Sign up for exclusive benefits including cinema discounts, early bird specials and much more. Serving dinner five nights a week plus lunch on weekends. Visit theatreroyalcastlemaine.com.au or follow them on socials for all the latest updates. Theatre Royal Castlemaine, entertaining Maine FM sponsor. Light up your outdoors with Solar Power Lights. Using free energy from the sun, Solar Power Lights offers a fast and friendly delivery service with a huge range of outdoor and security lights. Try Solar Power Lights before you buy to see what works best for your space. Visit solarpowerlights.com.au Solar Power Lights, A main FM sponsor.
1: You are listening to The Quiet Carriage on 94.9 Main FM with myself as your host, Paul J. Laverty. And the track we heard before those announcements was Side Effect with their song Autumn Morning. And that is all we have time for today. A big thank you to you, the listeners, for listening to me once again. A big thank you to my guest today as well, John Walter at Stoneman's Bookroom. Please get down and support them this Christmas if you are local. And if you're not, please consider giving just one book to someone this Christmas. If everyone bought one book, we would sell about 20 million copies in this country alone. And we would, in the space of one festive season, change the face of Australian publishing just have a think about the effect that would have on authors, publishers, and booksellers. Just one book, two, would be even better. But just one book would be nice. So, yes, a big thank you to John. Also, a big thank you to Monica McInerney, who was my guest. I hope she's made it back home to Ireland by now. She was talking about her book, The Godmothers, which is out now via Penguin. Next week, I'm going to have David Wilson. Uh, We had him on last year and he'll be promoting his new book, Shore Leave. And we'll have another few bits and pieces that haven't worked out just yet. And it will be our second last show of the year. I'm on Fridays at 1pm on 94.9 Main FM and mainfm.net. And all previous episodes are available on Spotify and beyond. I'm going to leave you now with the Oscar Peterson Trio with their track, Georgia On My Mind. Until next time, keep reading.
3: Thank
4: I'm Marie Edwards, your State Member of Parliament for Bendigo West. Castlemaine and District, including Campbell's Creek, Newstead, Maldon, Tewton and Harcourt are important parts of my electorate. If you have any questions or anything you wish to discuss that concerns the State Government, I'm here to help. Please phone 5410 for an appointment. Spoken and authorised by M. Edwards, 16 Lockwood Road Kangaroo Flat, funded from Parliamentary Budget.
0: Marie Edwards, supporting Main FM.
2: No agenda Music Interviews Mostly music Saturdays noon until 2pm On 94.9 Main FM Make it your soundtrack for Saturday
0: I like to move
1: it, move it. I like to move it, move
2: it. Moving can be stressful, but at Stressless Moves, we move your belongings like they're our own and can professionally pack and unpack your cartons. Stressless Moves offers door to door service locally or interstate. We do a weekly run to Melbourne with single items or a whole truckload. Leave the stress of moving to us. Call Jessica or Donna on 0427 046 001 for an obligation free quote on your next move. StresslessMoves.com.au, a proud sponsor of Main FM. After four years of supporting
0: the local community, including sponsoring FM, Main FM, Castlemaine Shedshaker Shaker Brewing now needs
4: the community to support them. Support your local brewery and buy local beer. Takeaway beer is available from bottle shops or direct from the taproom.
0: You can also get free home delivery. Go to ShedShakerBrewing.com to see the range and order online. Let's keep local alive and let's get behind Shed Shaker Brewing, Main FM sponsor.
4: The Lowdown, a Maine FM community update. Want to hear about what events are going on and where? Do you want to know all the news from the Shire? Tune in weekdays at 8.45 for The Lowdown. If you run a local business or have some great ideas that you want to share with the community, send your info through to info at mainfm.net and we'll include it in The Lowdown. That's info at mainfm.net. Updated weekly.
0: No other bank would be silly enough to sponsor a radio program like in Malden today. So we take our hats off to the Malden and District Community Bank for its generosity. Join our galaxy of presenters and contributors, Liz and Loz, Kevin, Jeff, Slats and Steve-O, Nancy, Mike and Tony, every Friday morning between 9 and 11 for annoying music, irritating banter, outrageous self-promotion and a bruising interview with our latest victim. It's all about Malden. The the town town that
5: needs needs to to get over itself.
3: itself.
4: Stop tune in every Monday from 10 to 12
3: for Able Radio.
4: Able Radio is a weekly radio program that explores topics related to
1: disability, music, film, sport, art, and about anything else we feel like. Able Radio is presented by people with disability and is for everyone. So tune in. Able Radio is proudly sponsored by Windarrin Castlemaine, an essential
0: partner in our local community.
5: you can bring me down.
0: If you like your music or natural, acoustic, folk, and more or less unplugged,
1: tune into Open Tuning on Wednesdays, 3pm to 5pm. Two
0: hours of great music for your listening pleasure, here on
1: 94.9 Main FM.